7.30 p.m., a body was recovered from the Red River near the Alexander Docks. For six serial killers to be operating in that town. An Amber Alert is still in effect in parts of Canada for a two-year-old girl An Ontario woman says her father committed brutal murders and buried the body. Millions of dollars worth of maple syrup has been siphoned off from storage in Quebec. With the crime covered up. had planned for a year to steal it and kill its owner. You ever been interviewed by the police in a, in a room like this before? we live in yeah unfortunately <laughs> great for our content bad for <laughs> bad. humanity yes. <laughs> so. Yes. Uh, so i guess before we get started we should state for the record we are not cops we're not lawyers we we have no legal expertise whatsoever no don't work in law enforcement at all not even tangentially no i can throw a punch just about as far as it goes <laughs> it's not really law enforcement well it would crossed with the law at some point i'm sure <laughs> that would that be working against law enforcement because you shouldn't go around punching well people. i'm keeping them employed so it's working for them technically are you though <laughs> well i'm working with them uh we are interested but uneducated yes i think that's how we like to put it mm-hmm. uh so are you ready for today's crime yeah who do you have on for today so today we're going to learn about the sad case of holly jones oh dear this happened in 2003 do you remember anything about this i like the name rings a bell and i don't really know much about it it's, it's a kid right yeah little and they girl. go missing yes M- murdered yes dismembered yes <laughs> do you remember anything else ontario yeah um near the toronto area yeah um was it found in a lake yeah everything's found in a lake (laughs) i'm just kind of fishing um like ew not fishing not like (laughs) bad choice of words yeah um yeah because everything i think in that like because of the paul bernauder thing i think i get a little confused because they were also a lot of body parts were found in a lake and they were in concrete were they in the water? Yeah, I think so. I just remember them being in concrete. I don't know. It was around. So I don't know. Well, I mean, that was obviously like 10 years prior, but I do in the, my mind get those two. I know. Uh, Bernardo was in the 90s. Yeah, he was in the 90s, but this is 2003. This is 2000. Oh, that, yeah. yeah, that's so right. This is now much I'm later. Confused. Yes. Way to go. You're the one who's supposed right? to be presenting this, right? <laughs> um, but no, I don't, I don't remember the details of it. And I'm always going to say, oh, you know, um, was it someone close to her did that did that? Because it's statistically, it's always yeah. someone close to her that right? does it. So I could just like throw out like the fortune teller. Like, yeah. oh. <laughs> do a cold read. Yeah, exactly. You're going to have to make an important decision. Hmm, ham yeah. or chicken sandwich. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, go on. Okay, so um, this, this happened uh, on and around... May 12, 2003. Mm-hmm. Holly Jones and her friend Claudia were playing at Holly's house after school. Um, this is in Toronto. She lived in Bloor West. Okay. I don't know if it was like specifically Bloor West Village or just like Bloor. So for the people who don't know Toronto, that's quite well downtown and in the center of town, mostly. Bloor West. Well, west, is... of the, west of center. Yeah, but like it's still pretty close to downtown. It's not far off. It's like It's not super far. It's like a 10 minute drive. I guess. Yeah, depending it's on... It's pretty close. Yeah. Like, considering other major cities around the world. That's yeah. still pretty close. Yeah, there's a lot of downtown. Yeah. 
exactly. to Toronto. Yeah, it's but a also, big place. But there are also, there are elements where something happened in Etobicoke, which is still part of Toronto, that's quite far out of the center of town. Yeah. So this is quite close to downtown. Yeah, the, but the, we're talking, we're still, we're west of Bathurst. Okay, anyway. Anyway. Yeah, because you know what Bathurst is, I'm sure. Right, because that makes, it. that's, yeah, that's that makes all the difference to <laughs> listeners around the world. West of Bathurst. Um, <laughs> that implies that we have listeners around the world that's so self-flattering. <laughs> Anyway, go on. Okay, so um, around 6 o'clock, Claudia had to go home for dinner, so Holly walked her home. Claudia didn't live too far away. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it says here it's about maybe like a seven-minute walk between Mm -hmm. Holly and Claudia's houses. So after Holly dropped off Claudia, Claudia's mom offered to drive Holly back over to her place, but Holly declined. Again, short walk. Mm -hmm. When Holly's mother, Maria, got home at around 8 o'clock, Holly wasn't there, and she figured Holly and her dad had maybe gone someplace. So Maria phoned her husband, George, who it turns out was just across the street, hanging out with their neighbor. Um, And he said that he saw Holly leave their house with Claudia, Mm -hmm. but didn't really have anything else to report. Um, So Maria and George uh, searched along the path that Holly would have taken to get to Claudia's house, uh, but came up empty. And they phoned the cops at about quarter past nine. And they immediately began searching the neighborhood. The next morning, so this is May 13th, a man walking his dog along the north shore of Ward's Island saw a black bag at the water's edge. So Toronto um, is on the north shore of Lake Ontario. And there are like a few little islands just offshore. Yeah. Uh, and they are inhabited. People do. There is a little community uh, on one of these islands <clears throat> called Ward's Island. Yeah. Um, Margaret Atwood wrote a book about it. The Robber Bride takes place on it. Really? Yep. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Literary note. <laughs> Good to know. All right. Not one of her best. <laughs> I have. I think I've only. No, I've read The Handmaid's Tale, obviously, in Cat's Eye. Yeah, Cat's Eye. Yeah. No, I think it's a Robert Bride that takes place. I'm That's almost one. positive. I know that she has one that takes place there. It's either Robert Bride or something else. And I went through this big outward phase. I read them all at the same time. Okay, and they all blend together. Yeah, a little bit in where they take place, but I'm almost positive it's that one. Okay. Anyway, go on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, so this guy's walking his dog on the North Shore of Ward's Island, and he finds a black bag. And, <clears throat> of course, he's like, what's inside the bag? Oh. Yeah. Betty <laughs> regrets that decision. In it was a green garbage bag. In the green garbage bag was another bag, and inside that was a torso. Oh. Yeah, just a torso. Oh. Yeah. You think by then he would feel that it's meat-like. Oh. So after this discovery, the search for Holly uh, was now concentrated, a concentrated effort to find the rest of her body, uh, and the cops turned their attention to the waterfront. And at 2 in the afternoon, again, this is still May 13th, a black suitcase was found washed ashore near the CNE, which is the Canadian National Exhibition. Um, so I guess some distance away from Ward's Island. Inside that suitcase was a five-pound dumbbell, which was obviously used to try to weigh down the bag, mm-hmm. and some plastic bags which contained Holly's head and arms. Nice. Uh, side note here, her legs were never found. Oh. Yeah. So they are obviously maybe in a different he container. He put them in the garbage. Oh. And police yeah. did search the dump. And they never found them. And they never found them. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty terrible. 
Uh, so an autopsy determined that Holly had been raped, strangled, and then dismembered after death. Uh, there was no semen, but she had DNA under her fingernails. Mm-hmm. Uh, and green fibers were lifted from her torso. How old was she? Ten. Agreed. Mm, yeah. Mm. The search for Holly's killer was one of the largest manhunts in Toronto history. The police ran down between 1,600 and 2,300 tips. Wow. Yes. They also tracked down 269 sex offenders that lived in a three-kilometer radius of Holly's home. That's a lot of sex offenders. That is a lot of, yes. I don't think I want to know how many sex offenders are living around me at any time. You can look it up. You can look it up. But but. I never have because I don't want to know. Honestly. Yeah. Like, Again, I don't have children, so maybe it's not a priority. I don't care. Sex offenders are sex offenders. Sex, it's they're, true. they're not necessarily pedophiles. That's true. That's very true. Um, so, <laughs> because the cops had this DNA, but no match in their system, they did a DNA canvas. DNA canvassing is a bit controversial, um, because if you refuse, which you totally have the right, right to, to do, do. Yeah, they think you're... You immediately become a person of interest. Right. Because, you know, you've got something to hide. Why wouldn't you give up your DNA? Right. This poor little girl was murdered. Um, also, there's the issue of whether the DNA profiles are deleted after they're excluded or the case is closed. Right. Um, which they're, of course, supposed to be. But, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? Beginning on May 21st, cops started this DNA sweep in Holly's neighborhood. Uh, and they also asked if they could just do a quick walkthrough of people's homes. I mean, really, like, if, you th- if you're innocent, you'll be like, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, I would come on yeah. I'd be like, oh, that poor little girl. Yeah, come on in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so only three men refused the DNA swab. Uh, and so they all, of course, became persons of interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of these men was a 35-year-old software developer named Michael Briere. Um. Yeah, so he refused the DNA swab, but he did let the police walk through his apartment. Right. Uh, and one of the cops noticed that he had a green rug and a green bath mat. Mm. So he's, I guess, of even more interest to the police now. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're suspicious of Briere, obviously, and eventually they get his DNA off a discarded pop can. Is that legal? I don't know. Like, they just, well, he threw it out in the garbage. and Yeah, then it becomes, it depends if it's public or not. It's, if it's yeah, well, I think, but even if it's, I think once your garbage hits the street, it's public. It's public, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whether or not they should have been following this guy around, waiting for him to discard something, um, I suppose that's up for debate. Uh, but anyway, they did, they got his DNA off this pop can. Um, and while I was doing research... One article I read said it was a straw that he had used to drink the pop from the can. Oh. And everyone else said pop can. So it's like, what? I mean, not, not that it really matters, but it's interesting when you do this kind of research, the, like, like the small details detail. like yeah. that. I think they draw out a story more anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Michael Briere, a man with no criminal history, was arrested on June 20th and charged with first degree murder. Uh, he was held without bail and placed in productive custody. Did he do it? I'll get there. Oh. Uh, Did, I he Did he do it? Did he do it? Did he do it? Are we there yet? <laughs> I don't know how long he was in custody uh, before the cops told him that they had matched his DNA 
to the DNA they found under Holly's fingernails. <laughs> and when they did tell him this, he confessed. Oh, false confession? For three hours and 15 minutes, he confessed. He admitted to being a pedophile and that Holly was the first child he'd ever assaulted. He'd fantasize about children, girls specifically, and he had downloaded a bunch of porn both at home and at work, but he'd never hurt anyone. On May 12, he'd gotten worked up watching child porn and then, quote, I got carried away and walked outside. I didn't know her. I'd never seen her before. It's just coincidence. If she wouldn't have been on the street corner, I probably would have just walked the street and gone back home. But she was there, and no one was around. Oh, that's terrible. That's awful. Uh, he grabbed her by the neck, hauled her back into his apartment. So he did do it. <laughs> he did do it. When she started screaming, he put his hand over her mouth, tried to rape her, but he couldn't perform. And that's mm. why there wasn't any semen. Oh. Um, you know, and then he had to kill her. Uh, all of this happened between 6 and 8 o'clock, and probably no one even knew she was missing at this point. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. her mom hadn't come home till 8. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. this all happened, like, right after she dropped off her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so she, when everyone was out searching for her, she'd, was, she'd already been killed and stuffed in the fridge. Oh. And he kept her there while he thought about what to do with her body. Statistics from the U.S. suggest that most children who are victims of kidnapping and murder are killed within three hours of their abduction. Yep. Yeah. So this girl never had a chance. It's so sad. Okay. And it gets worse. He used a handsaw to dismember her. Yeah. Wrapping her body in plastic bags and then placing those bags inside of other bags, inside of more bags. Mm -hmm. Since he didn't have a car, he had to take the TTC down to the lake shore. Oh, he took public he, he transit. Took public transit to get to the lake. Um, twice he did this, schlepping back and forth on the subway. And on one occasion, one of the bags he was carrying was leaking. I remember hearing about this. Oh. I remember this story. A passenger noticed, and so did Briere, and he covered the blood drops with his foot. Mm. Anything that leaked onto the seat went unnoticed because the seats See, on the red, subway are red. red. Yeah. Oh, that's so, <laughs> so terrible. awful. Um, but apparently this, uh, this strap hanger never said anything. I guess maybe it wasn't until later this person came forward with the story. Yeah, I mean, if you're on the subway, though, and, like, something's dripping red, I don't... I'm not going to assume it's I'm not going to assume it's blood from the body. I'm going to be like, oh, that guy has, like, paint or something. Something. Something's dripping from his bag, and it's gross. But I'm not going to... Yeah. You don't... That's not where you go. No, I'm not like... Someone's obviously on the subway with body parts. Yeah. Because who would... Who would... Who would... Who who does that? Yeah, exactly. Well, he does. This guy does. Yeah. Uh, I think it's fairly reasonable that you wouldn't call that in. Yeah. After his, abre- uh, his arrest, Briere waived his right to a preliminary hearing. Uh, this move sparked rumors that he was going to plead guilty. And on July 17, 2004, so this is a year later, mm-hmm. he did plead guilty. Uh, and I read that a guilty plea in this type of case is usually uh, or is considered to be extremely rare. Hmm. Uh, Briere said, quote, I have failed as a human being. Uh, and he didn't want Holly's family to have to hear detailed evidence about her murder. Okay. I don't know so, how I feel about that. I don't know if he's actually being well, remorseful or... It's hard to say. Because, again, like, when you read about this stuff, um, people 
the reporters, I guess, I don't want to say they go out of their way, but they paint him as a monster. Yeah. It's like, he wore a brown suit with his hair in a ponytail, and he looked, you know, with his dead eyes straight mm. ahead. Like, and they always try to take, emotion. like, the worst exactly pictures the of them. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. But maybe... He is remorseful, I suppose, in his own way. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Well, I have no idea. Who knows? Hmm. Um, After his guilty plea, Toronto police drove him straight to Kingston Pen, where he was housed away from the general population. That makes sense. Yep. Um, Okay, so (laughs) this is kind of weird. While I was looking up the story, I found a website that questioned Breer's guilt. Really? So I think this guy like, wrote it in sort of early days. Mm. Um, yeah, so the website questions his guilt, stating that the case against him was flimsy and questioning whether Breer had been coerced into confessing. Right. Specifically, the site pointed out the two bags Breer used to transport Holly's remains were never conclusively linked to him. The author also had uh, some point to make about the police work itself and what led the cops to Breer. And the timing of the arrest and the DNA match. Mm. Um, and the police chief at the time credited old-fashioned police work with finding and catching Briere, But he was short on details about what that meant exactly. Okay. Um, but he did it. He's guilty. Wasn't coerced. He's never claimed not to, to, to be, be right. guilty. Yeah. anything he's just like stuck to his story the whole time yeah so it doesn't seem like that all right well yeah so that's the sad story of holly jones well thank you for that um depressing um tidbit yeah that's what i'm here for oh no problem um i on the other hand have done a little research on amber alerts oh great okay yeah because um when holly went missing the the cops issued an amber alert but it's was rare at the time for that to happen mm-hmm. it yeah you didn't often get an amber alert in toronto in 2003 now it happens all the time well yeah well not all the time not well you know what i mean common. more common yeah um <clears throat> so i went to and i did a lot of research on this and then i found an article which is annoying that just summed everything up that i've been <laughs> researching so there's an article on cbc that's from august 19th 2009 so it's not super recent okay, yeah. but it's actually it's it's pretty apt. I mean, some of the technology has changed in the articles. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and it's called, it's at cbc.ca and it's called Amber Alerts when they're used and how they work. Okay. All right. Let's learn. <laughs> the only thing I know about Amber Alerts is that it's named for a girl. I always thought it was named for the, the color. color. Yeah. So did, so did I. I really did. And then, um, yeah, it is named for the first Amber Alert system was established in 1996 in Texas. Um, after Amber Hagerman went missing, and she was a nine-year-old girl, mm-hmm. she was ni- riding her bike, and she went missing, and and hence, uh, and basically the kill, the murderer was never found, and they think that if they had found her earlier, or put it like an APB, like an all points bulletin, that they, they might have, have found her oh and like God. notified the public. So oh, that's kind of how that started. So that's why it's called an Amber Alert. Yeah, it's named after her. Um, so here's one thing that like how how an Amber Alert works is actually interesting. Um, so when a child goes missing or they have reason to believe, like strong reason to believe that they've been abducted, mm-hmm. um, please prepare an alert that has all the information as the, the name, uh, perhaps a picture, like all the info that they can possibly give or and the abductor's description and any other information, like yeah. a, if they're a relative, what they look like, so on and so forth. Um, and a press release is sent to the television radio stations based on protocols used during the Cold War. Really? Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> to relay messages from the U.S. president and later to broadcast weather bulletins. So that's in the States, but still it's like, it's... Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, so it's like high security alerts. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. So American broadcast regulations specify that they have to... Um, basically stop, drop, and put out the and information. Roll. Yeah. <laughs> and put out the stop drop and, and roll, roll out, out the and roll out the information. Yeah. So <clears throat> radio programs have to interrupt their broadcasts and um, issue the Amber Alert with all the pertinent okay. information. And on TV they have to put up the scroll. Yes. I've heard I've, um I guess it was earlier this summer, I think a little boy was abducted by his father. Yeah. And I remember the Amber Alert's on the radio Yeah, for that. And then road signs can say Amber Alert yeah. generally to the public. Um, and yeah, now... Oh, this has been updated, obviously, this article, because it's now says 2013, right? Okay, so anyway, so now on mobile devices in the U.S. in particular, you can get Amber Alerts, but we don't really get them here in Canada on our... Or do you have to sign up for it, maybe? You might, but I'm, in the States... Because how else are they going to do In the States, it? it's part of the emergency system. So everybody oh. just pops up. And in Japan, I know this because of the recent um, nuclear testing, all the Hokkaido, like all of Japan gets a nuclear missile alert. It was wow. the first time my friend had ever received one, and he sent a, like a screenshot of his Japanese nuclear missile alert. Oh, my alert. God. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, and he's like, this is the first time I've ever had one of these. And it's like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, so, yeah, so I know that they do get those, I think, automatically because it's part of their like 911 emergency systems on all of the um, – uh, Networking systems. Oh, okay. In the states. Yeah, because I've I don't, never received one on my phone. <clears throat> no, so I don't I think seem... I, I don't think we actually have that here. But I okay. I have no. I don't know if you have to sign up for it, but it seems ridiculous that you would have to sign up for it instead of it just being an emergency. Yeah, right. System like anything else, right? Anyway, so Canada's. So while in the states, this was they were definitely ahead of us because our first Amber program was implemented in Alberta in late two thousand and two. God. Yeah, we we had okay. So we also had something called the neighborhood watch system, which was kind oh, of yeah. the um, precursor to the Amber Alert system. But that was more just communities, and this was started in uh, London, Ontario, was the serial killer capital of potentially yeah. the world, definitely Canada, North America, from the '60s until the mid '80s. Yeah. So um, that's where neighborhood watch. That's started. where neighborhood watch started. Where basically you, they would put up a sign saying neighborhood watch, and everybody in that neighborhood would report on suspicious activity, and it just gave criminals the knowledge that like everybody was kind of looking out for one another. Right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that if someone went missing, obviously it was being reported, yeah. and so on and so forth to so the police. So. Anyway, so that was kind of our precursor, but it didn't really pan out. It wasn't very efficient, especially if you left the neighborhood. <laughs> so, so that's. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Like, I know, like, a municipality, I'm saying. But no, like, you I, know, get, I you get know it. what I mean? Like, <laughs> anyway, it, I'm, it had its place, but it just, you know, the Amber Alert system is more efficient for uh, gathering and, and dispersing information. Yeah. Especially when it comes to abductions, because in cars and vehicles, they can just disappear so quickly. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so what's the criteria for an alert? You might be asking. What's the criteria for an Amber Alert? Well, there are four main points. <laughs> okay. And this is also where things can change slightly in, from state to state in the States as well as from Canada. So in okay. Canada, the child must be under 18 years of age. Yeah. There must be confirmation that the child has been abducted. Okay. Police must have sufficient information to make the search for the child possible, such as description of the, the child abductor, accomplices, or the suspect's vehicle. And police must uh, believe the child is in serious, imminent danger and be convinced a broadcast will help find the child. 
In the States... I find that last one's kind of weird. In the States, it changes slightly because in some states, I was reading um, in other posts and stuff, and nothing that was from an intellectual source, but it does okay. make sense, that if... Uh, also, if someone's over the 18 and they're a senior citizen... Yeah. And also, if they are um, have a disability... Okay. They can also issue Amber Alerts on behalf of them. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. and I know that here we've had a few um, call outs for senior citizens. I don't think anyone else, but I know that there's been a couple where it's like, have you seen this man? He's been missing. Yes. His family's I, looking yeah, for him. Yeah. He's got dementia. Yeah. Last seen in this area. Yes. There was, again, there was one this summer, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that we're starting to do that, but I don't know if it's part of the Amber Alert system because it's not like that was a crawl on the screen. That was more of a social media campaign on behalf of the police. Right. So I don't know what goes okay. on. So anyway, so what are the benefits of Amber? Lots of information gets out to the public quickly. They're more yeah. alert. Um, but then there are also criticisms of Amber Alerts being, if they become too common, people become a nerd. And it's true, right? Like yeah. if you're always, if if Amber Alerts are overly used because a kid goes missing and they were at the neighbor's place and they were found safe, yeah, you know, like, and it's all the time because someone's freaking out. <laughs> obviously, it's the imminent danger and that's the key. And that's why I think that the Amber Alert is issued in serious, like the most extreme, extreme cases. cases. Okay, because... Um, again, a few months ago, there, an Amber Alert went out for, I think, a 16-year-old girl who'd just taken off with her boyfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen that. So, and then how often are Amber Alerts used in Canada? And then between 2003 and 2012, Canada issued 64 Amber, Alert, Amber Alerts involving 73 abducted children. And of those, 70 were recovered and returned safely, and three died. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess because most times it's like an estranged family member yeah right a mother or a father yep who don't necessarily want to do the child any harm yeah and there have been also those cases where people try to escape for other countries with their children as well so and that's so there's a lot of cases like that as well and i think that's a big one um but yeah so that's that's kind of the history um of amber Amber alerts Alerts in canada yeah all right yeah and um interesting uh Yeah. yeah okay um, since, okay. <laughs> since we're based on like a Toronto thing though, I do have a strange Canadian you do? bylaw, municipal <laughs> bylaw for Toronto. I love municipal bylaws. <clears throat> I break them all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I just like to declare as a Canadian that Toronto is not the center of the universe. I don't actually live in Toronto, although I grew up. You grew up I in grew, Toronto. I grew up there. Um, I just found this cause I thought it was funny. Okay. I just, and it suits because everything in this episode is yeah. happening in Toronto. <laughs> this is, this is like, like self-mollification for feeling badly <laughs> for being from Toronto. <laughs> you don't have to apologize I'm, for being from I'm Toronto. I'm sorry, everybody <laughs> from Toronto. You can hate me all you want. Did I tell you what happened? I went to somewhere, I went out west and then they were like, where are you from? I'm like, the most hated city in all of Canada. They're like, like oh, how's Toronto? Toronto. <laughs> Like, you're going to have to laugh at it, but then, like, you cry a little inside because yeah. you're like, I'm not an asshole, I swear. Well, so I switch it up. Sometimes I'll say Ottawa, which is yeah. true. That is and everybody goes, from. oh, that's that's nice. And then oh, they go away. Oh, it's very clean there. Yeah. That's and now when I say is. north, that I live north of the city, they're just like, oh, I have no idea where that is. And you're like, don't bother. It's near Toronto. And they're like, oh, Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, would you like to hear my lovely... Uh... I would love to hear about this bylaw. Okay. <clears throat> Under Toronto's municipal code, it is illegal to hold more than two garage sales a year. <laughs> Those who try to set up more than that on their front lawn could face a, th- a fine of $5,000. So you got to like, you're doing a lot of them. Who's going to know? Like, Maybe a neighbor calls it in. The garage sale 
sale police? Like they have like a garage sale bazaar 24-7? I don't know. <laughs> a special hotline? Yeah, like maybe they have like a Thanksgiving giving day or, or like weekend uh, Oh event. my God. So there you go. No <laughs> more than two. two. Spring and, and fall, baby. Spring and fall. And I don't know if it's like for the entire province of Quebec or whatever, like little municipality, but you need... I think you need a permit for a garage sale because mm-hmm. uh, I remember a friend of my dad's wanted to hold a garage sale and there was like this whole permitting process that mm-hmm. he had to go through. So he just never did it. Well, I, so I was talking <laughs> to a friend of mine and she is um, Slovenian mm-hmm. and she's moved to Canada. She married a Canadian and her mom, she was talking about how she was going to have a garage sale and her mom was like, what the hell is that? And so she explained oh. to her mom what it was, that people just put furniture on the curb and other people just Come and pick buy it, it up. And her mom was like, are you kidding you me? You just sell your junk she, to your neighbors. And she was just like, if people can just get free furniture off the side of the street, why would anybody buy anything? Like, it's just like she didn't understand. Like, because it just doesn't happen. It's just not Europe. something that happens. And you think there. about it, no, it just, it's really unique to North America a lot of the time. Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> the garage sale. Yeah. Yard sale, garage sale. Like, it doesn't really happen in England. It's not. No, I, well, they have. Um, they have car boot sales mm-hmm. in the UK where you like drive your car to some like parking lot someplace and you sell shit out of the trunk yeah. of your car. That's not shady at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but this is, yeah, this is definitely, but it's like the only time where you like have your house and yeah, that's it. That's weird. There you go. To- only two a year. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah. Okay. I don't know where it is anywhere else, but. <laughs> that's so weird. That's funny because oh I had two yard sales up north this year, right? Yeah, so you are maxed out. If maxed out. <laughs> unless, unless I'm in, I'm in a different municipality, though. I might be able to have three or four. Maybe knows, yeah. as many as you want. Maybe. <laughs> or, well, technically, you have two properties. So if you wanted to have a third, you could just have it at the other house. Yes, that's true. Well, I don't own two properties. I own one property, but I just... Well, you rent a, you're between my two office properties. is on the other one <laughs> yes i have an office garage sale and <laughs> selling office furniture yeah, exactly here's a here's the drip coffee maker <laughs> okay so i have i speaking of weird have a things. couple files there <laughs> uh, I, have, I have a weird new weird crime news headline oh yeah yes this one this one comes from the states mm-hmm. um <laughs> Always a plethora of oh, weird crime yeah. coming out of the state. And I believe Kentucky, which I think was the same state where the guy dressed up as the Coke bottle to rob the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so Kentucky pulls through again. This guy was being um, questioned by the police at the police station about drugs and or guns. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the interview had to be cut short because of the man's excessive flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> So he was just farting so much? Like, the cops would ask him a question, and he'd answer with a fart. He could fart on command? That's pretty talented. (laughs) Unless, like, maybe he has Crohn's or something. I don't know what it was, but it was so bad. And I guess they stank. It was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) They had to stop the interview. Oh, man. That's pretty awesome. So he he farted his way to freedom. (laughs) Freedom isn't free. (laughs) Freedom isn't free. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, we just went from like really depressing. Really, to, yeah. Like, so, I'm, yeah. Oh, so thanks for joining us on this roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Hope you didn't get whiplash or concussed. 
Oh. Yeah. I, I got I got a concussion on a roller coaster once. Oh, and that wasn't was, my fault. It was Shelly's fault. It totally was my fault. <laughs> it's totally your fault. We'll All right, we'll just leave that story for another yeah, day. Yeah, that'll be another day. And it was not a crime. <laughs> no, it wasn't a crime. I'm not charged. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I've been Rachel. And I've been Shelly. And stay safe. Please do.